Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Chris Stashew. I'm Mike White. And this is Father Malone. And we are the hosts of Dreams for Sale, a once a month look at the Twilight Zone 1985 by three guys who might be qualified to talk about it. I don't know. You can be the judge. On this episode, we are kicking off the second season of Twilight Zone 1985. We're finally here with the first episode that is split into two segments The Once and Future King and A Saucer of Loneliness. Exit one Gary Pitkin, singer, impersonator, and restless subject of a dead king named Elvis Aaron Presley, a frustrated young man born 25 years too late, who is about to find his own place to dwell down at the end of Lonely Street in a neighborhood called the Twilight Zone. So the once and future king and a saucer of loneliness aired September 27, 1986, the first segment is directed by Jim McBride. It is written by Bryce Martiano, but it is a teleplay by, once again, George R.R. R. Martin. The E segment focuses around Elvis impersonator, played by Jeff Yeager, who travels back in time. And while Wikipedia does say he meets the real Elvis, it gets way worse than that. He becomes Elvis? It's really, 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 really dumb. In my opinion, at least. What about you, Mike White? What say you, Mike White? As a big Elvis fan, I found some things about this enjoyable. I liked the circular time structure that it had. It reminded me of a Holloway book that I liked a lot, um, which was basically the exact same thing, but it was Malcolm X. And it was a guy that goes back in time and visits Malcolm X, and Malcolm X gets shot, and then he has to replace him because he was Malcolm's great-grandson or or something. This, there's no real reason why the Elvis impersonator looks exactly like Elvis, and it's played by the same actor. But as an Elvis fan, I was like, okay, this kind of works. And yeah, it was kind of dumb, but at the same time, I enjoyed it. It was nice seeing Red West show up and some of the other, like, you know, inside baseball things. I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. You know, knowing that Elvis had a twin that died, Jesse Guerin. I was like, all right, that's that's kind of nice. So and I, like and like you said, the the deep cut of Red West is an odd deep cut. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. 
It's a cool one, well, but it is an odd yeah. one. Well, he's one of the Memphis Mafia, so sure. Makes, I, yeah. I know, but like you said, it is it is real inside me. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and I thought that Jaeger did a good job as Elvis, and I thought that they handled the one actor playing two roles fairly well. So yeah, I, I was all right with this. What about you, Father Malone? Well, uh, I'm going to echo that a bit in that um, I am, too, a massive Elvis fan, and I liked that, uh, um, the you know, I, I liked the attention to detail, um, and I was kind of into the whole thing up until he starts having to do everything that Elvis does. That didn't actually make any sense to me. Because <laughs> Wait, no, 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 like no. no, you don't understand. He replaced him, so he has to make the same mistakes, okay? That's the way the story works. Yeah. Otherwise, it thematics. doesn't work, Father Malone. I know, the, I, know the th- I know the thematics that were at work, but it wasn't like anyone came to him and said, if you don't, if you deviate from Elvis's life in any way, there's going to be a catastrophe. He starts the episode talking about how Look, I know I get it's the theme that you have to do what you have to do, whatever, blah, blah, blah. If you're going to take pains to show me this guy burying Elvis's body, then you got to come up with a reason why, other than it's the right thing to do, to make every mistake Elvis made. Like, what if if any of you had been turned into Elvis, wouldn't the first thing you had done as soon as you made it not sign with Colonel Tom Parker? Or, like, at some point go, nah, I'm going to not do all those movies. Like, what? You know, he he keeps he says at the end, like, you know, I think I've done everything that uh, Elvis would have done or Elvis would have liked. But the Elvis he meets is not that Elvis. That that's some guy who's like, this is the this is Satan's music and you're from hell. And I'm not going to disrespect my mama like that. Like, uh, you know, shades of Elvis. Sure. But like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Like, you don't understand the Elvis the entire time has been Gary Pitkin because the real Elvis was apparently a shithead who didn't want to sing That's All Right, Mama. He wanted to sing love ballads, and that would never have gotten him anywhere. It's really dumb. Like, it makes, it is- the circularity works, but it doesn't when you take away why are you idolizing this person and yet literally doing the same things that they did, which cause you to not idolize them. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, the first thing he says the is they'll slap on uh, sideburns on me and put me in a white jumpsuit, and then we see him with sideburns in the white jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't it make any sense. And that's, I mean, again, I'm a huge fan of Elvis, just like y'all are. I mean, Elvis is, is one of the greats, other than the fact that he stole African-Americans' music and made it popular, but that's beside the point. Not no, really, you know what? but no, 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 they don't no, really no, address no, no, it no, no. here. I, but they kind it. of do, apparently. Listen... This thing about Elvis stealing black people's music, Elvis grew up fucking in a dirt fucking floor house in and amongst black people. Like, you know, it, it like, how could he not be informed by it? It's not like Perry Como going, what's the next thing? I'll do that. Like, I, I, I hate oh, that I, argument about I, Elvis. I get it. I get it. Uh-huh. But at the same time, he did popularize music that African-Americans... Certainly. He popularized music that they were making. That doesn't necessarily mean he stole Sure, it's fair. I used the wrong word. I 100% own up. But I do like how this gives it a reason as to how that happened, even if it's unintentional. Yeah, I wish they had just started with the guy, like, being an Elvis obsessive to the point that he knows all these things and agrees with everything Elvis did. Like, he thought that was great. If somebody had been – if, like, the manager had been saying to him, like, yeah, but he got fat in Vegas, he's like, that was the best part of Elvis. You know, like, that could have made sense. But this guy who obviously knows the missteps Elvis took during his career and in his life 
like, why would you adhere to any of that? It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Because again, I, I mean, I mean, again, that's why I said it's stupid because it's just, it's a story that serves no purpose. At the end of the episode, he just goes, man, I fucked this up just like Elvis did. It's like, what? What is the, what is even the point of this story then? Because are you trying to tell us that Elvis is just as a person, regardless of who takes his place, is doomed to do what he did regardless? And there is no free will in Elvis? Or what is it? Because I didn't understand what the story was going for. Because it, it, I don't even think it knows. Because at one point it's trying to tell the story of a guy replacing Elvis, but you would think if he's replacing Elvis, he would try to do everything right. Yeah, and we've already gotten a story from this television series about somebody replacing somebody in the past and having to act out uh, history exactly uh-huh. as it happened because there was mm-hmm. going to be a huge problem if he didn't. So when you get to this thing, like, you know, I the, the frustrating thing is, like, I was really enjoying the episode up until that point. Like, I thought it was well made and I thought, like, uh, like you said, uh, Mike, Jeff, I think Jeff Yeager did a pretty creditable Elvis and... To take it in this direction where it's just like, oh, it is all fate and you have to play your role like out of nowhere. I'm just like, nah. No. And, and you know, like you just said, much credit to Jeff Yeager. I have we've we've talked about this before uh, on the Culture Cast, shameless, uh, sh- uh, sh- shameless self-promotion, this idea of impersonation versus evocation. And he's not impersonating Elvis. He's evoking Elvis. Uh-huh. And it's it, it works really well, even when he's playing Elvis, and I'm not saying the character playing Elvis, I'm saying he's actually playing Elvis, he's still not doing an Elvis impersonation. He's evoking what we at least believe to be or have told to be Elvis in his, you know, pre-Sun studio day. And it works. And it's just a shame that this episode doesn't do anything with it other than tell a story of how Elvis was fated to be fat and drugged up and die and die on the toilet from drugs. It's like, what the fuck is the point of the story then? Show us a change. Yeah. Be the change. (laughs) Be the change you want to see in Elvis. I mean, at least... Because I genuinely am, like, struggling for what the point of the episode was. Yeah, no, I don't get it either. And, you know, just not to keep fixing the episode or anything, but, like, even if they had just let him do one thing different, and then he saw that an entire other thing occurred, he's like, oh, my God, I got to stay to this path. Like, that would have been okay. Would have made the episode really good. So, yeah, as is... I can't figure out what they're trying to say. I mean, I, I guess fate is circular. I don't know. Sure. Why not? Well, and again, it 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 would only make sense the way it makes sense now if if the character of Gary Pitkin didn't remember Elvis's past mistakes, but then he couldn't remember Elvis's music. So you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that makes no sense is you you almost can't have it both ways. And it's a shame because, again, I like the premise of this episode just fine. Focusing on a pop culture figure and, you know, doing something interesting with their really well-known backstory, I think, is really clever. But that's where the cleverness ends. Yeah, I don't know. Ultimately, why did he have to live out his life? Like, maybe this was a moment in time where he had to fix something. that Because the character we get, like, in the entire opening scene, it just keeps hammering about rock and roll Elvis was the best iteration of Elvis. And if you look at Elvis's life, that was like a, what, four-year period, maybe? Mm -hmm. Like, 56 Mm -hmm. to 60? As soon as he went into the Army, I, I mean... Uh, until not until the seventies, name of an Elvis song that was could could be considered rock and roll. It was always just sort of light pop vocals, uh, you know, for a decade. So, like, I don't know. This episode doesn't know its own characters. For this guy would never deviate from that. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's a shame. And again, I 
I don't think we're going to get another Elvis episode, unlike all the devil episodes or devil segments that we've gotten. So I don't think that there's a way for them to redeem themselves with this story. But it's just a shame because, yeah, Jeff Yeager does a pretty serviceable evocation of Elvis. And for it to not have anywhere to go is a shame. I do find it funny, though, that Elvis, the actual Elvis, just eats shit on a guitar. (laughs) Just just runs into a guitar face first, and it impales him straight through the heart. And he's just flat out dead. But I guess there's no blood in Elvis, because he puts on his clothes, and they're pristine. Yeah, but he is lonesome tonight. All Uh, I need to... I I just want to leave with this. um, Elvis needs boats. Elvis needs boats. Thank you. (laughs) Captain Elvis? The sailing Elvis? Commodore Elvis. I'm more of a fan of the, what is it called? The, the Fool's Loaf Elvis, where they would eat like a whole loaf of bread stuffed with peanut butter and bacon and bananas. I'm a fan of that Elvis. Yeah, pretty great. When he would take the uh, his private plane private, yeah. mm-hmm, to like Denver or wherever the hell that restaurant is. It's so good. And eat a loaf. It is a real thing. What's it called? Like the Fool's, is it, what's it like Fool's Loaf or something? It's, it's, it's so disgusting. But at the same time, you're just like, I envy anyone who can get in their private jet to go eat the Fool's Gold Loaf, which is a loaf of bread filled with one jar of peanut butter, one jar of jelly, and a pound of bacon. That does sound good. Yeah. I mean, so let's talk about the next segment of this episode, A Saucer of Loneliness. Message found in a bottle. Sender unknown. Still alive or long dead. The last of his species or a traveler marooned on alien shores. Perhaps in the end, all that matters is this, that even to loneliness, there is an end. And for those who are lonely enough, long enough, a message cast adrift on the darkest beaches of the Twilight Zone. So A Saucer of Loneliness was directed by John D. Hancock. It's written by David Gerald and Thuridin Theoden. Uh, it's written by Theodore Sturgeon, and it stars Shelley Duvall and Robert Libertini in a Richard. segment that... Uh, Richard. Richard Libertini in a segment that... Uh, I'm going to defer to y'all first, because I'm genuinely curious what y'all... I went first last time, Father Malone, if you want to start. Um, what can I tell you? I'm a sap. I liked this segment. I really felt for the character. I liked the theme of it. I liked that um, uh, it was positing uh, an, a connection to uh, like an alien or an alien civilization in a way that was in no way scary or action-based, but more emotional. Um, I felt horrible for Shelley Long the entire time. I thought she did a great job Duval. showing how, how, how desperately lonely she was. And, I mean, the scene where she goes on the date with that guy and he just wants the information and she goes back home broken. Like, I don't know. That got me where I live. So um, I, I don't know. I, I think it was a nice, gentle segment. It didn't feel off in any way to me, but you guys might have. Uh, a differing opinion. Also, I, uh, I, I had somehow forgotten the idea of putting a message in a bottle. Even Sting wrote a song about it. Um, and to see that sort of dramatized again, like that's the way she was reaching out. I don't know. I liked it. Not only did he put a message in a bottle, Father Malone, he sent out an SOS and you still forgot. To the world. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. eventually 100 million bottles did wash up on the shore, so. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I think we just die now, and I think we'll probably be happy. <laughs> what about you, Mike White? What did you think? 
This episode lives and dies by Shelley Duvall's performance, and I bought it. I was there with her, and I really felt for her. So, yeah, I I was uh, pretty choked up watching this as well. It could have been really super sappy and just uh, like, what the fuck are you doing kind of thing. But I enjoyed it, and I thought that the idea of this UFO kind of being this message in a bottle thrown through the galaxy or whatever, I thought that was kind of a nice thing. And yeah, it was always it's always nice to see Richard Libertini show up in anything, um, taken from us way too soon, in my opinion. So I was very glad when he showed up. I recognized him before I even saw his face. I just saw the profile, and I was like, <laughs> hey, it's that guy from All of Me. And sure enough, it was. Or as Father Malone, I'm sure, said, hey, it's Fletch's boss from Fletch. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> no, uh, uh, I actually think of him and I'm sorry, sorry, I don't know the character's name from uh, his performance in Popeye with Shelley Duvall. Um, oh, right. Yeah. You want carrots? 250. Oh, you mean Giesel. Yes. Yeah. Good one. Good one. I only know that because I recently rewatched that Popeye movie and boy, it's a movie. It's. I just bought it on Blu-ray. Woohoo! It's a fun. It's a it's a, it's a movie that I think has aged rather well with time. Um, and it it's it did not it didn't deserve to come out when it did. It, it needed to come out now. I saw <laughs> or, it so many times when I was in elementary school. <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. Robin Robin Williams was a choice, and it's a choice that works. But in regards to choices that work in this segment for me, I'm with y'all. Uh, Shelley Duvall, I think like you said, Mike, this, this episode does live or die by her performance. And Shelley Duvall, current situation aside, uh, Shelley Duvall is a very beavable spinster. It's unfortunate because obviously that's kind of who she is in real life. So it's kind of sad to watch this character and know kind of where Shelley Duvall is in her own personal life now much publicized. But it works in the in the context of this segment, and I do like this kind of juxtaposing of her message in a bottle with the quote saucer that was a message in a bottle of itself. It's 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 it is a stark contrast to the last episode segment that had nothing to say, and this segment feels like it actually has something to say, and it feels like it actually manages to stick that landing. Maybe not completely, but at least enough where. Like you said, my, it, there is some emotion that does, you know, they do a good job of evoking some emotion and getting you to really feel for Shelley Duvall's character. It's enough that I'd like to go back and read the Theodore Sturgeon story. I have all the sci-fi authors that I've read. I haven't yet gotten to Sturgeon. I think I have a copy of More Human Than Humans somewhere around here, but I still haven't read it. And I would love one of these days to maybe go on a vacation and take some Sturgeon with me. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. He's one of the uh, the one of the uh, the giants of the genre that uh, somehow has eluded me my entire life. And uh, if this is any indication of his writing, then I agree. I need to uh, I need to dive in as well. Um, really, just good overall. Like I was, uh, uh, it made me hopeful for the entire rest of the second season. This particular because uh, I didn't hate the Elvis one. I just thought it was a misfire. Uh, and then they uh, they they sort of come to bat with this. So. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is what the Twilight Zone is supposed to be. And it's like you said, Mike, that, you know, it would be so easy to make this as maudlin as some of the other episodes we've already seen from the show. Uh, really easy. And it was deftly handled. Uh, just I, I don't know. I mean, if, I, to me, the only misstep in the episode is the mother character who I didn't think we even needed. 
yeah, just a sort of stereotypical yelling at her. She's not respectable and blah, blah, blah. She came, I don't know, that she seemed like lifted from a 50s film or something. So uh, other than that, I think it's kind of perfect. Yeah. Yeah. He, it, she reminded me of like Carrie White's mother. It's like, what is your problem, lady? Yeah. I mean, unnecessary. It, it, also, it actually would have been more effective her of her just showing her at home alone. Like, you know, like in her pathetic Actually life. alone. Yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, that would have at least reinforced this connection to no one effective. And I like that the, the saucer, with its message, like alienates her even further. Uh, I thought that was nice. Uh, not not nice, but, you know, well handled. <laughs> and again, the message that it says, I mean, you know, not to get Mullen, but it's a message that I think a lot of us in especially 2021, you know, 2020 overlay, uh, overnight in 2020, uh, you know, I think it's a message that like so many of us need to really like internalize. Loneliness is, loneliness is shared, but there's always someone lonelier than you. So don't be super. <laughs> so no, but uh, it, it's, it's a good segment for sure. I, I liked it a lot. And that's unfortunate because I, I hope that it sustains that quality <laughs> because mm-hmm. boy, the end of the sec, the end of the first season better not, you know, better not be a way that the second season's going to end. Cause we'll be right back to, man, I liked the first couple segments but that's it also hazards of anthology television so on the next episode of dreams for sale we're going to be taking a look at the third episode excuse me the second episode of season two we're going to be talking about what are friends for and aqua vita so until then where can people find you you can hit me up at fathermalone.com check out my podcast dark destinations kind of a radio drama travelogue to towns that don't exist You can also hear me over on Chronicles from the Crypt, a podcast Chris and I do about the HBO television series Tales from the Crypt. What about you, Mike? Well, you can find me over at projectionboothpodcast.com, where every week uh, we talk about a different movie. And you can also find me at the Barney Miller podcast, uh, which is the life and times of Barney Miller, Captain Barney Miller, with uh, Chris Stashew here. We talk about Barney Miller. Can I say Barney Miller one more time? I want to say Barney Barney Miller. Miller. Okay, thank you. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Christmas Claus. I'm leaving it that way for the evil future. You can find me on the other podcasts that I work on. They've mentioned some of them, Culture Cast, uh, One Season Show, and Scary Stories We Tell. And those are the other ones. So you can find me on those as well. As for this podcast, you can find us at TwilightZone85.com. And you can find us on Twitter at TwilightZone85. Big thanks, as always, to Roxy Drive and Neutron Dreams for the music for the podcast. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.